Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Yeah, I think the first couple weeks we talked about how, um, you know, everything was moving the right way, but he's not on the field as much. So just because we called a play for him where he's the number one option doesn't mean I'm just going to drop back and throw it up to him. You know, like it has to be the right look. It has to be the right coverage. Uh, I think what we saw in the Dallas game is he was on the field more. He had more opportunities. So when his number was called and they were playing a certain coverage, well, okay, well, yeah, that's where the ball's going to go. And uh, he had three, three, four targets, uh, three, three catches, um, a big penalty for us uh, on a go ball, uh, uh, really two big penalties um, on go ball. So he could have had you know, five, six catches for 180 yards or whatever. And, uh, you know, that, you know, that, that, that's him just being able to, you know, uh, handle more and, you know, be in the system more and being able to play more. And, uh, you know, I think that him being able to do that obviously gives us that, that stretch that we're going to need for everyone else to get active too. Who is him? You might be asking right about now. Well, that was the voice anyway, was Derek Carr and the him he was talking about was New Raiders wide receiver Derek, or excuse me, uh, Deshaun Jackson, new by about a month or so, uh, closing in on a month of Deshaun Jackson's uh, Raider career, which, by the way, and we'll get into this a little bit later on today, it sounds like Deshaun Jackson wants to extend that Raiders career or would be happy to extend that Raiders career beyond just the end of this season. He's signed for the rest of this year, uh, obviously coming over from the Rams uh, after everything that happened with Henry uh, Ruggs. Deshaun Watson took a little while, uh, but he definitely broke through with three catches for 102 yards, a 56-yard touchdown, forced a couple of penalties on the Cowboys, had a big, huge impact in a must-win for the Raiders, showed what he's still able to do, even at 35 years old, um, that there's a lot of juice still left in those legs. Did I say Deshaun Watson? Yeah, Deshaun Jackson, my bad. Deshaun Jackson, the Raiders wide receiver. Uh, Thanks for um, uh, fixing me up on on that one. But uh, point being, it sure sounds like Deshaun Jackson wants to stick around uh, here in Las Vegas. And I think that's a good thing uh, as they try to figure that position uh, back out. But I think they've got a steady guy right now. And by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Lincoln Kennedy will not be with us today. I think there's some festivities going on uh, with Lincoln over at the uh, Pac-12 championship game, which is here in town. They play tomorrow. Oregon against Utah. We'll see who prevails uh, as the Pac-12 champion uh, and who's going to go to the Rose Bowl. Lincoln, obviously a big star at the University of Washington, also a member of the broadcasting team uh, over at the Pac-12 network, uh, is part of that. So uh, we wish him uh, good luck. We'll talk to him again next week after the Raiders host the Washington football team. And I think that Deshaun Jackson um, is going to have a big part in that game. And I think he's going to have a big part moving forward. You know, the Raiders didn't bring him in just to sit and watch. Obviously, they had a huge need when um, Henry Ruggs was released. We all know the story behind that. Uh, It left a gaping hole in the Raiders' offense, what they like to do, what they're based on. This is a power run game offense that likes to stretch the field, point blank period. That's why they drafted Henry Ruggs. That, and he was evolving into exactly what they needed and what they wanted, what they envisioned. This was an explosive offense when Henry was on the field uh, through the first however many six, seven games uh, of this season. 
you know, and then you take that piece of the puzzle out of the equation and you can see what happens. Uh, it's just not as explosive. And the Raiders needed somebody in a hurry right now, ASAP, that could provide that. And lo and behold, fortuitous for the Raiders, here's Deshaun Jackson sitting there on the open market after things didn't quite work out in Los Angeles with the Rams, not for talent reasons or anything like that. The Rams uh, were just going kind of in a different direction. They had a, uh, a bunch of wide receivers uh, on, the, on the roster that were getting a little bit more time. Deshaun wasn't, you know, real satisfied with how he was being used, so tried to work it out with the Rams. It didn't work out, uh, and they parted amicably and went their separate ways. And all of a sudden, at the exact time, the Raiders needed somebody to provide exactly what he does as good as anybody that's ever done it. There is Deshaun Jackson uh, available to the Raiders. They swooped him up. Um, it took a couple of weeks, obviously. You don't just, this is the NFL. It's not backyard football. It's not peewee football. It's not high school football where you put the fastest guy on the team out there and say, tell your quarterback, just throw it up to him. It's a little bit more nuanced and intricate than that. It took a little while. Even talking to Deshaun Jackson today, about how complex uh, NFL offenses are. And here's the thing about that. It's not just do you know what your route is on any particular play. It's also how are you going to adjust to the coverage that uh, is presented, that the defense is playing. How are you going to um, be on the same – are you going to be on the same page with your quarterback? Because he's seeing the same exact thing, and you've talked about it and coached it up and schemed it up and – uh, you know, uh, talked it through in meetings and on the field when we get this look uh, and the cornerback's here and it's a cover two and the safety's positioned here and the linebacker's over here. This is what we need you to do. And I got to count on you to be able to do that. Well, that doesn't happen overnight. You got to talk it through. You have to experience it. You have to get on the practice field. And nowadays in the NFL, during the course of a season, it's not like you have, you know, hours upon hours to be able to get out on the field. A lot of times the, the field part of it is minimized because you're trying to keep guys as fresh as possible. So even in that regard, it's limited how many times you can replicate it uh, in a practice setting. So it took a little while for Deshaun to feel um, uh, Deshaun to feel comfortable in this offense, but not just in this offense, you know, from a playbook perspective. But when you're actually lined up on the field and you're playing an opposition, and they're doing certain things to either take things away or defend you or whatever the case might be, and there's options to what you can do or are supposed to do uh, when you see guys lined up the way they're lined up, and you have to be on the same page with the quarterback. And if you aren't, it's useless. You know, you could go run the route that you think you're supposed to run or thought you were supposed to run or whatever the case might be, but if you're not doing it the right way against that particular look – Obviously, the quarterback is going to go in a different direction. So it took a little while. But, you know, Deshaun is obviously a 14-year veteran, smart. You could tell that uh, just by talking to him. Understands it. It was just a matter of time. And it was going to happen fairly quickly. And it had to happen fairly quickly because there's no time to waste right now. With everything that's at stake, um, with all the Raiders' goals and objectives a- ahead of them, they needed him to get it as quickly as possible. And it finally broke against the Dallas Cowboys in his you know, third game uh, here with uh, the Raiders, and you saw the effect that he had. Now, it sounds like the 41 plays that he – snaps that he played might have been a little bit too many, and he even said, I don't remember the last time I actually played 41 snaps. Could have contributed to uh, the calf uh, issue that he's dealing with right now. It doesn't sound serious uh, just by talking to Deshaun today. 
it sounds like he's preparing to play against the Washington football team. And that would be a really good thing. You know why? Because he has pretty good games against Washington. Always did when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously spent some years with the Washington football team. Uh, and as he's told us today, look, when I play a team that uh, obviously felt like they were going to go in a different direction or maybe they were better off without me or whatever the case might be, didn't want to pay him, uh, felt like there were better options, the bottom line being that they got rid of him. You don't think that he's got a little something-something saved for teams that do that? And there's a couple of them now, uh, including the Rams and the Philadelphia Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and obviously the Washington football team, who, oh, by the way, are showing up to Allegiant Stadium on Sunday to play the Raiders. Kickoff is 105 uh, over at Allegiant. And so that's a team that, A, Deshaun's had success with uh, as an opponent, but B, kind of wants to maybe stick it to him a little bit because they felt like, you know, there were better options out there and, and, and moved on from him. So uh, we'll see if he's ready to go, A, health-wise, uh, and B, if he's raring to go when he is out there to make them um, pay for uh, what he felt was a mistake in moving on from him. Uh, but one of those keys to all of that is the relationship and the chemistry between Derek Carr uh, and Deshaun Jackson, and it sure seems like they're moving in the right direction. And actually, here's uh, Deshaun talking today about gelling with Derek Carr. I mean, with, with two veterans, man, I, I think it's it's not hard, man. Uh, you know, with with him, what he's done in his career, you know, where he's at this year, man, he's been playing lights out football, and uh, you know, implementing a guy like myself that's been able to understand offenses and schemes. I think it was easy for us to gel together. Uh, you know, he has the expectation, and vice versa, and myself as far as you know, in a quarterback where I expect the ball. And, you know, for us, man, we see eye to eye. So I think it was a it was an easy jail and it was an easy, um, you know, situation to put us together. Yeah, and it seems to be working. And uh, it sure sounds like De uh, Deshaun is, is really open to making this the last stop of his career. And by last stop, I don't mean these last six games and hopefully the Raiders beyond, um, you know, if they could punch their ticket into the playoffs. I think he wants to continue to play. I mean, he showed us on on Saturday, on Thursday against the Dallas Cowboys. There's juice still left in those legs. He might not be the guy he was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years ago, uh, but the way he exploded down the sideline against the Dallas Cowboys, the pressure that he was put, able to put on the Dallas Cowboys throughout the game, play in and play out when he was out there, uh, and when Derek went his way, being able to, A, either complete passes uh, for, for big yardage, obviously the 56-yard touchdown uh, being the, uh, the, the cherry on, on the top of the uh, ice cream cone on that, but also just put the Cowboys in positions where they couldn't keep up. And when you can't keep up as a defensive back, I heard um, you know Q earlier talking about how DBs win games. Well, they can lose games as well. And the Cowboys' defensive backs contributed greatly to the Raiders' win and the Cowboys' loss. Why? Because they couldn't deal with Zay Jones. They couldn't deal with Deshaun Jackson without having to grab, without having to hold, or without having to sometimes get caught in a bad position. So the penalties that those guys drew, Jackson and, and Zay Jones, were just as impactful, just as important as the catches that they made. And I know, uh, you know coaches talk about this all the time, and I know Q uh, would agree. Look, if... if that becomes a play, even if it doesn't count on the stat sheet. They look at pass interference 
calls that are induced by the wide receivers, by the speed, by the pressure they put on defensive backs. Even if the ball isn't completed, even if it'll never show up in the stat sheet as a completed pass uh, and yardage in the coach's head, they understand that, hey, Deshaun, you know, he didn't just get 102 yards. He accounted for close to 200 yards uh, in that game with some of the penalties that he was able to induce. So that's a factor as well. And I'm not sitting here saying that he's going to be able to, to draw two penalties every single game. But the more you go to him, the more you take chances down the field comfortably. It's not just chance taking. It's actually calculated uh, and done with confidence. Uh, more and more with Derek Carr and, and Deshaun and also Zay Jones, the more you do that, it increases the chances that, A, you're going to complete the pass, or B, you might actually get a penalty. And that could be just as good uh, as anything else because in the NFL – where a pass interference occurs, that's where you put the ball. So um, that's something that I think the Raiders are going to continue to push. Uh, but the bigger point here is that this stay with Deshaun Jackson and the Raiders might be a little bit longer than than originally anticipated. And, and here's um, Deshaun earlier today talking about perhaps continuing his career with the Raiders. Yeah, man, I, I, I made that, uh, you know, emphasis – I think one of the first interviews I did, you know, just saying, you know, I've been with four or five teams now in my career and, you know, just where I'm at in my career being my 14th year, um, you know, I definitely hope this is my last stop. I don't want to continuously go to team to team and just kind of, you know, keep continuously learning new systems and all that stuff. So I think here is a good spot, good place, um, you know, what, what the Raiders have going on here with the organization. You know, the thing about that also, uh, to me, it's, it's, it's also a compliment uh, to the Raiders, you know, and, and not to take anything away from the Rams where Deshaun was uh, previously or prior to uh, coming here to Las Vegas. Um, but it was obvious that it wasn't working there and something wasn't clicking for Deshaun in Los Angeles. And he was the one um, that, that basically brought upon the, the, uh, the breakup. You know, he went to Sean McVay, he went to the Rams to talk about expanding the role uh, and maybe doing a little bit more than, than he was, was doing. Uh, and for whatever reasons, uh, the Rams weren't able to accommodate him. Uh, they had some other wide receivers and some other priorities on where to go with the ball. So it just kind of came to a head, and uh, it was all amicable, no, no hard feelings or anything like that. But it shows you that you know sometimes, especially with a player like, like a, a veteran like Deshaun Jackson who has earned that kind of respect, like if, it's not, if he's not feeling it, He's not going to be afraid to say, hey, look, you know, this isn't working for me. We need to work something else out. So um, for him to be good after about a month or so with the Raiders and like what he sees, not just in terms of the playing time and the production, you know, but the but the organization, the facilities here uh, in Las Vegas, the teammates that he has. We've talked about this. This is a pretty good Raiders team. When they play clean, efficient football, they put themselves in great position to win every time they step on the on the field. Doesn't matter who they're playing. Uh, there's no real huge talent gap uh, that exists anymore. Um, you know, some teams obviously might be stronger in this particular area. Maybe the Raiders are stronger than them in that particular area. Um, but. You know, uh, those days are over where the Raiders just walk into a game uh, and are, are playing with one arm tied behind their back relative to the talent of the other team. So I know that Deshaun sees that as well, and that's a positive. That's a plus because I've, it makes you understand that, you know, he thinks he can win here uh, as well. So that also creates a comfort level of wanting to be here beyond just this season. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Ralph is on the line. How you doing, Ralph? How are you? 
I'm doing well, thank you. Good. Hey, uh, I was just wondering, um, I'm coming out to the game this uh, Sunday. I want to see what I can get into with you guys out there and uh, kind of meet everybody with Q and you and see what we can get into, you know? <laughs> well, I don't know if I like the sound of that, but uh, anyway... Um, yeah, absolutely. We'll be at the Rockstar Bar and Grill, which is right on Las Vegas Boulevard. It starts at 5 o'clock, um, and it goes till whenever, and we always have a lot of fun. Uh, uh, Q is, is there. Damon uh, comes out. Uh, a lot of our friends from uh, Vegas Nation, Las Vegas Review Journal, where I also work, covering the Raiders, all my colleagues, some of my colleagues over at uh, Raider Nation Radio show up. So it's a lot of fun. There's music. Uh, a lot of times there's giveaways. Um, so, yeah. Rockstar Bar and Grill, 5 p.m. till whenever, and whenever can be, when I say whenever, it could be whenever. Just ask Q. He puts the W in whenever, which I love and appreciate. Um, but uh, that'll be where we're at, so hopefully you'll show up. Um, it's, like I said, right on the Las Vegas Strip, uh, right across the street from Town Center in Las Vegas, and uh, we always have a, a good time. So, um, Ralph, I hope to see you on Saturday over at the Rockstar Bar and Grill. And it's a big game, um, no doubt about it. They all are at this point, you know, uh, for, for whatever reason, uh, a lot of teams, not just the Raiders, have kind of put themselves in positions where, yes, everything that they worked hard for is in front of them and available and attainable, uh, just like it is for a, a, a handful of other teams in the NFL. But, you know, because there were some slip-ups along the way, you look at games like the New York Giants um, and the Chicago Bears, those are the two games that that really jump out to me where I felt like, you know, the Raiders had the talent advantage and I think they, those were games they should have won had they played efficient football, but they didn't and they lost. And as a result of that, even though they're where they um, need to be in terms of making a run, it's not quite where they wanted to be. And they could have made things a little bit easier for themselves, uh, but they didn't. And so that cushion and that leeway that you sometimes get by having a better record and uh, giving yourself an opportunity if you do slip up or something were to happen in a game down the stretch that it's not going to kill the season, um, that cushion is – it really doesn't exist right now. I'm not saying that the Raiders are going to have to sweep their next six games, but they may have to. Um, that's just the bottom line. You know, they're at six wins right now. I think 11 – uh, for sure gets them in the playoffs, maybe even 10. But the way things are going, you don't know. You can't guarantee that. So the best thing they can do for themselves is win six and get to 12. And at that point, uh, I think that they would be in. That's a, you know, a tough road to hoe, without question. There's some really good teams that are left on the schedule. But nobody that I look at, and I don't think the Raiders look at it uh, this way either, there's nobody that's left on this schedule that – should worry the Raiders so much uh, that to the point of, boy, there's no way. Uh, that's, that's, that's like a L. And sometimes you go into games as a team in the back of your head thinking, we're just not as good as that team. We're just not as talented as that team. You don't want to admit it. Uh, you don't want to even focus on it or dwell on it. But sometimes that is the case. That's no longer the case this year. The Raiders could beat and are capable of beating everybody on their schedule the rest of the way. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Thursday. I'm live here at the Raiders practice facility in Henderson and boy I'll tell you what it's a beautiful place.
Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Thursday. I am live at the Raiders practice facility here in Henderson, uh, Nevada. And, you know, by the way, uh, it's really cool. Um, You know, uh, obviously we spend a lot of time here uh, at the practice facility. I cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal. So uh, I'm here uh, for all the practices, all media availabilities, and uh, doing the show here for Raider Nation Radio uh, as well. Um, And... On a daily basis, I always see the cars kind of stop by and people come running out of the car to take pictures. And, um, you know, Raider fans are they're honking their horn uh, when they see the big Raider uh, facility and, and the Raiders emblem. And, you know, all of that that comes with uh, the Raiders, um, the big torch uh, that's right outside the Al Davis torch that's right outside. Um, it's just a spectacular place. But. Uh, I got a sense, and I wasn't a Raider fan growing up or anything like that, so I cover the Raiders, um, you know, for the newspaper, and I, and I have a show here with Raider Nation Radio. So, but for, for somebody that observes and, you know, is kind of an analyst and a commentator and, and, and watches uh, and just covers this team, it's really cool to see Raider Nation, how they've responded, um, not just to Allegiant Stadium uh, over by, uh, you know, right off the Las Vegas Strip, but here in Henderson, the practice facility, how many fans take the time to swing on by, you know, get out of their cars and take pictures and take selfies and just the, the pride that you can see on their faces uh, when they just take all of this in. And, um, you know, there's, there's a Raider Image store here. Uh, I don't think it's open to the public just yet. I'll, I'll get verification on that. But, you know, with, with everything that's going on with COVID and everything like that, uh, I think that's delayed that, that part of it. But at some point, I'm sure it'll be open and, you know, fans can come in there and, and, and uh, you know, shop and, and get their Raider gear. But it just really is cool, you know. And, and sometimes in, in our business covering sports the way we do, um, you sometimes lose sight of what this really means to a lot of people. Um, and when I say people, I mean the fans, the fans that devote so much energy, so much passion, uh, their, their, their wallets, their bank accounts to, to buying tickets and buying, you know, gear and, and getting uh, invested personally and emotionally uh, with the players that are on the team and the wins and the losses, you know, and the roller coaster rides, all of that comes with it. Um, and sometimes we forget what that is like and what that means uh, to all the fans. And I'm telling you, every single day I'm reminded of it when I see somebody that just stops, takes the time to stop uh, and just take all of this in, this big, beautiful building that the Raiders have built, Mark Davis uh, has put together, um, and and the pride that you can sense that Raider Nation has for, for this, and this is their home base. It's really a cool thing um, to see. So, uh, shout out to everybody that uh, just do it safely. Um, it's a busy street uh, out there, uh, but uh, as long as you take heed and, and, and be careful, it's, it's all good. And, uh, and I know for me, just being able to see everybody enjoy it is really a cool thing. Um, we've been talking about Deshaun Jackson. We've been talking about the impact that he's already had uh, and had against the Dallas Cowboys. I expect that conti- to continue. Um, I'm not sure he's going to get 41 plays uh, all the time. Now, granted, the Raiders had 81 snaps uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. That's a lot. You know, um, usually you want to be in the 70 range or so. Uh, they got to 87, which is a good thing. Um, but uh, but of that, 
you know, Deshaun was out there 41 uh, on 41 snaps, but I'm not sure he's going to get that kind of volume. Uh, but the more comfortable that he is and the more confidence that Derek Carr has in him, the more I think you're going to see that impact continue to grow. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in a good friend of mine uh, from the Washington Post, and he covers the uh, Washington football team for the Washington Post, Sam Fortier. He was nice enough uh, to spend some time with us in the huddle. Sam, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Vinny. Thank you for having me, man. Yep, absolutely. Long time no see, but I'm going to see you on uh, on Sunday uh, at uh, Allegiant Stadium. It'll be your first trip here to Las Vegas to see the Raiders. What are your uh, expectations just from somebody that hasn't been out here yet to Las Vegas to see what's the whole setup uh, with the Raiders? What kind of expectations do you have for your first time watching an NFL game in Las Vegas? Yeah, I mean, my expectation is, is for the city to, to be you know pretty lively. I, I feel like uh, Raiders fans, even when I covered the Chargers, I, I kind of got a good sense of how passionate that fan base is uh, all over the country, no matter where you are. Um, and so I, I think, you know, for the Allegiant Stadium, that was kind of a topic of conversation with, with Ron Rivera and, and, you know, Washington wide receiver Terry McLaurin this week. I mean, uh, Terry talked about how he, he likes, you know, kind of these rollout uh, grass fields, uh, turf fields that, that I, I think Allegiant is, and, and how he's really excited to, you know, kind of come out and see a new stadium because he said, uh, you know, pregame, he, you know, takes videos on his phone of, of when he comes out into a new stadium just so he can remember kind of that, that feeling and what that looks like. And so I think everybody uh, in Washington, reporters, players, coaches, are excited to kind of see what uh, the latest and greatest looks like in terms of stadiums. Well, it's definitely uh, – the, the, the venue is beautiful. The setting is beautiful. It's kind of emerging, I think, as a, a very unique market with a lot of Las Vegas, um, you know, uh, feel to it. And, and I think it's been great. Uh, but I do have to ask you, since, you know, I, I don't cover it from the other side, uh, but mm. do you guys ha- – have you guys talked about it uh, to Ron and, and to some of the players just – not the trappings of Las Vegas, but just the thought of going out to Las Vegas. It always has, you know, Las Vegas is Las Vegas, and it's always going to have that image. It's a, it's a 24-7 town. There's a lot to do and a lot of fun that you can have. Uh, have has anyone had that conversation about how to handle things uh, coming out here to Vegas? <laughs> yes, uh, we have. I mean, especially, um, you know, quarterback Taylor Heineke, um, when he was in the XFL in St. Louis, he used to go to the Ameristar Casino, uh, he and a couple of his teammates, you know, before games or, or on off nights um, down in St. Louis. So, hey, you know, we asked him, hey, you plan to get up to something again in Las Vegas? And he was like, no, probably it'll be, you know, he's a backup back in the XFL. It's more of a business trip this time. So I think that, uh, I think that if Ron Rivera, I think that Ron Rivera, when he flies west, I know you, sometimes they go out on Friday, sometimes they go out on Saturday morning. I think there's a reason they're going a little bit later this time. No doubt about it. We can uh, read between the lines uh, on that one. All right, Sam, let's talk about the Washington football team. Uh, Ron Rivera has this pointed in the right direction. They, they, they kind of got hot uh, a few weeks ago, and, and they come in here on a, on a winning streak. How have they been able uh, to do it? Yeah, so this team really has looked in the last three weeks, and, and please excuse the siren behind me, uh, like a team out of you know maybe the 1990s. I mean, they, they've really... Uh, killed the clock. They've dominated possession. They've run the ball quite a bit. I mean, Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator, has has called run uh, quite a bit more. He's leaned on a, a three-headed attack in the backfield led by uh, Antonio Gibson and, and J.D. McKissick and Jarrett Patterson's compliments. And Taylor Heineke has, has made the plays that he needs to. He's scrambled uh, you know, to convert a couple key third or fourth downs. He's had a couple you know, really nice throws on third and long when the runs haven't worked. 
but really we're talking about an old school smash mouth physical football team right now. I, I think it's a really interesting question to me whether you can keep that going, especially against the, an offense as explosive as the Raiders. Uh, but I, I, that is certainly how they've turned it around and, and how they've found certainly an offensive identity the last three weeks. We're talking to Sam Fortier. You can follow him at Sam4, the number four, T-R, capital T-R. Um, Sam, you mentioned Tyler Heineke. Um, I mean, are we at the point where he's putting himself in position to be the guy moving forward, or is he just kind of a placeholder right now? I know I'm sure a lot depends on what happens over these next six games, but is, is there like a real thought to maybe rolling uh, with him into the future? So when you ask Ron Rivera this question, he basically defers and says, we don't need to make a decision right now. We're going to see what's in free agency. We're going to see what's in the draft. Are some of these disgruntled veterans, a Russell Wilson, a Aaron Rodgers, are they going to come available? Do we like you know, one of these guys, Matt Corral or, or Malik Willis or whatever? Um, but, but to answer your question directly, Taylor Heineke has put himself in a position where he could be the guy. I think that before the bye week in week nine, when he was playing pretty poorly, we're not having that conversation. Ron Rivera didn't even commit to him when, when we asked him for the bye, is he your quarterback? But in the last three weeks, he's been more efficient. They think he's making better decisions. He's making the throws that he needs to. He, he, something that, that could be helpful here is Kurt Warner, um, the NFL analyst, the former quarterback, who, who had a little bit of a similar uh, trajectory to Heineke, basically said that he thinks about quarterbacks as a ratio, franchise quarterbacks, as a ratio of special plays to layups. Tom Brady makes a lot of special plays. He makes almost all the layups. That's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is Andy Dalton, he said. He makes almost all the layups, but very few special plays. If you can be on that spectrum, then you are a franchise guy. And so he said Taylor Heineke has the talent. He has the athleticism. He did not have the consistency when we talked, which was before they upset the Bucks and kind of went on this run. And since then, he has shown a lot of consistency in making the right decisions and piloting this offense where it needs to go. And like you said, the last six games are going to have a huge influence on it. But I think that there is some measures, some indicators that he could be the guy in the right situation. Well, we know that the Washington football team also has a rabid, uh, passionate, uh, longstanding uh, fan base. And I'm sure they have their feelings uh, as well. And can you take the temperature of where the fan base is on whether to move forward with them or maybe invest either in free agency or a high draft pick uh, in a new quarterback? Well, I mean, first off, I should say this fan base, for its pride, for its longevity, for um, you know, its, its storied history, has certainly taken a hit this year. Uh, Washington is last in terms of attendance, averaging just over 52,000 fans a game, as we saw on Monday night. I mean, the, the crowds, at least, that show up in and, and FedEx Field, where they play, is, is not uh, an ideal venue in terms of getting there and, and once you're there. So um, just that being noted, a lot, of team, a, a lot of people in this area are pretty fed up uh, with the situation and, and won't support the team or, or you know, call for uh, Dan Snyder to sell the team. So that's that aspect of it. The fans that are still engaged, the ones that do come out and, and you know, watch the team every week, I think that they, uh, some of them certainly want Heineke to be the guy. Uh, he's a good story. He has you know, shown through the pylon dive in, in last year's playoffs that, that he is passionate and, and you know, that, that he has it. And I think that people around here have been looking for that quarterback for 20 years. Um, so he appeals to them. But I think some are also skeptical. 
you know, maybe he doesn't have the strongest arm. Maybe he doesn't have the best pedigree. They're very wary of guys that are, are just anointed the guy, like Dwayne Haskins, who they picked 15th overall in 2019 and then flamed out quite spectacularly. So I think the fan base is pretty split on that regard. I'm glad you mentioned, and thank you for mentioning, um, the diminishing passion of, of the Washington football team's fan base because it's been shocking to me, Sam, when I you know uh, uh, scroll the channels and I come across a, a Washington game at home and just don't see a sellout crowd um, there at the stadium, it's kind of shocking to me. I mean, I'm old enough to remember where there were probably uh, waiting lines uh, for season tickets uh, to, to that football team. Um, it's just always been that way and it isn't anymore and I know that there's a lot that's going on the success on the field hasn't been there Um, the drama off the field with Daniel Snyder and some of the things that have happened in that organization I'm sure certainly don't help the stadium that they play in where it is um, it just it's not conducive to fun and to to fans embracing it especially when you're not winning on the field but what's the main component involved in why it's diminished uh, as much as it has? I think the main component is is the lack of success. I mean, this is a team uh, that won multiple Super Bowls in in the 80s and 90s and was really one of the preeminent franchises. I mean, the Cowboys uh, in Washington were were certainly, you know, that was a marquee matchup, you know, whenever it happened. And and there was a real rivalry. and, And this team has, you know, been to the playoffs two times in the last 20 years and, and um, had not a lot to show for it. And so I think a perfect example of this is last year they announced the Washington football team as the placeholder name and people dunked on it and people hated it and, you know, they were making fun of it. And as soon as this team went on a surge in the second half, as soon as this team played the Bucks hard in that playoff game, you, know, you started to hear some changing tunes, not only among fans, but among players. I mean, Chase Young, the defensive end, who is hurt right now, but he said, I, I love the Washington football team. I think, I think we should keep it. It's kind of tough. I mean, he, he liked the name, and so I think it doesn't matter. I mean, they could name this team anything. I, I think Red Wolves, Commanders, Armada, whatever you know, the names that are being bandied about, whatever they choose, I, I think ultimately that matters a lot less than how that team performs. If they go to the playoffs like the Washington football team did, then sign people around here up. All right, you brought up the name, and I was going to go there. I'm on Team Red Wolves. I just like it. I think it's a, a, a cool name. But where is where are we with that? And is there a an announcement, an imminent an announcement coming? And do you have a favorite, a dark horse, uh, an inside scoop? Come on, Sam, give it to us. <laughs> <laughs> if I had it, man, it, it would it would be the front page of the Washington Post tomorrow. Uh, But I will say, I know CBS and I know Adam Schefter and and some other reports um, have said that there were these eight finalists, which included Commanders, Armada, Washington football team, etc. Those, we've we've been told multiple times by the team, that that list is not exhaustive. So if you thought, hey, these are the eight names they're choosing between, that is not the case. There could be a dark horse from outside it. Uh, Personally, I'm a Red Wolves fan as well. Uh, I think it does a lot of things that this team wants. It keeps the R. It has two syllables to, to keep the old fight song. Uh, it, it, you know, it is a geographically distinct animal. Uh, there, there is a, a legitimate tie-in, which I think is cool. Uh, Armada commanders; those I think are less appealing to me because uh, they're, they're, you know, I, I know that Ron Rivera, particularly, who, who's one of the people helping decide this name, he likes the military connection because his dad was in the military. Um, 
but to me, those those just do a little bit less. Um, I, I think Washington football team is not likely to stick. I think that they want a moniker, they want a an insignia, uh, a real brand to get behind. Um, but but that's just my feeling. We're talking to Sam Fortier uh, at Sam number four tr. Uh, all right, Sam, you mentioned Ron Rivera. And I do believe he's the right leader for this moment uh, for that franchise to, you know, uh, steer them through some uh, what was really some choppy waters and some dark waters. Um, has he solidified himself and, in, 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 you know, in terms of that leadership, not just as a head coach, but kind of the face of the franchise right now? There was a real need for decency and competency in this organization particularly after the fallout of last year, not just changing the name, but the sexual harassment and verbal abuse uh, that was really the NFL even found it, you know, pretty pervasive in this organization. And so when you talk about a guy bringing someone in as, as a one voice of the organization, the guy with Ron, R- Ron Rivera's reputation is certainly an attractive name. And so when he came in, I think, you know, I think he was a little bit surprised or uh, overwhelmed by how much work there was to do. Uh, but now that they've turned over the front office, they've turned over the business side of the organization, and, and Ron has really been able to focus on football, um, I think that he would tell you uh, that he feels like he's getting his feet under him. It might take a little bit longer than he expected. He, he talked about you know, earlier this year how it takes three to five years to change a culture. Uh, but I think the players would tell you, um, especially ones that were here during the Jay Gruden years, during the Bruce Allen years, that, that he has brought a leadership, an intangible professionalism to this organization that it sorely lacked. Well, we are going to see that firsthand on Sunday here uh, in Las Vegas over at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, The Washington football team comes to Las Vegas to play the Raiders. It's an old school. uh, These teams have played in the Super Bowl, for crying out loud. So it's an old school battle. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing you, Sam. Safe travels. Thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. I'll see you uh, on Sunday over at Allegiant. Of course. Always great talking to you, Vinny, and I look forward to it as well. Likewise, thank you very much. That was Sam Fortier. He covers the uh, Washington football team for the Washington Post. Does a great job, um, and so uh, he's looking at it from the from the other side. And I know, you know, that organization has gone through a lot um, the last few years, and um, we'll st- we'll see if Ron Rivera uh, has what it takes to kind of steer them uh, into uh, into better days. Uh, but uh, I know the Raiders are looking forward to playing Washington on Sunday, trying to stay on the right side of that winning uh, streak because obviously uh, being at six and five and all their goals and objectives uh, ahead of them, um, they need to get as many wins as possible over these next six games. And it starts on Sunday against the Washington football team. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Thursday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. You would like to think this is the time to get hot, right? Um, you know, we sure have done it the opposite, you know, in years past. Hopefully, hopefully this is the time that we can, you know, really hit the ground running and get hot at the right time, you know. Um, my brother, who you know, I love to death. Obviously, um, he's always encouraging me. And he, you know, when we were on our rough patch uh, right before the Dallas game, he said, "Just so you know, you know, this was our record before we won the Super Bowl, and we got hot at the right time, and you know, that that kind of stuff." And uh, it just gives you like, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, I, I believe that too, you know. So uh, we got a, but we got a big one this week, you know. If we don't, 
if we don't take care of business today in the meetings, don't take care of business tomorrow at practice and all through this week, then Washington's going to come in here and beat us. And we, you know, we obviously we don't want that. So we got to be focused, locked in, and bring it on Sunday. That's Derek Carr. Um, and talking about his brother, who played for the New York Giants, was a backup quarterback for the New York Giants, uh, the year that they got on a roll um, toward the end of the season, basically. Were able to punch their ticket into the playoffs as a wild card team that went on the road, uh, I want to say for three straight weeks, uh, to get to the Super Bowl. And then they beat the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. And not only did they beat the uh, New England Patriots, but I want to say that that's the team that beat the undefeated New England Patriots, the team that was going to, uh, you know, try to try to win the most games consecutively or, or you know, uh, stay unbeaten in an entire season from start to finish. So, um, as David Carr told Derek. You know, as long as you're in it, and if you can get hot at the right time, everything is possible. And when you look at this Raiders team, it's not out of the realm that they can't get hot and get on a roll and string together um, enough victories to get to the playoffs. And I think it would be such a huge step in the right direction for this organization uh, to, to hold on in the second half, to play winning football in the second half, to avoid the pitfalls um, that they that they experienced these last couple of years where the second half of the season just got went sideways, basically. Um, I think this team is built better to deal with the second half of the season in these last six games than they have been at any point since I've been covering them. We talked to Lincoln yesterday, and he felt the same way. Why? Because they have a defense now. And if you have a defense, you're going to give yourself a chance. We already know that the offense can score points. When the offense isn't shooting itself in the foot – they can score. They scored 30, 36 points against the Dallas Cowboys. A good Dallas Cowboys defense, which, by the way, slowed down the Kansas City Chiefs. The what was it, the week before or that Sunday uh, before? I know that they lost the game, but you know it wasn't like in Kansas City. It wasn't like the the Chiefs just you know rolled them. It was a fairly close game. They just couldn't get it going offensively uh, themselves. The Cowboys. So this was a defense that has played pretty well this year. And, the you know, uh, the Raiders went into Dallas and said, okay, so what? You know, we've got a bunch of weapons too, and we're going to be able to, to score on you, and they have. And when they've played that kind of football, they've been able to move the ball and score points. The difference this year compared to last year when the, when the offense was really good as well, they've got a defense now that can give themselves uh, a chance. By the way, uh, before we go uh, back to break, I uh, just want to give you the uh, rundown of the injured list uh, today, practice participation uh, list for the Raiders. Uh, Brandon Faison, cornerback, uh, was a full participant today. He was coming off a concussion uh, on Thursday. That was one of the good things about playing Thursday is that the Raiders have had a, a little bit of leeway uh, going into Sunday's game on December 5th, so what is it, about 10 days or so. Um, so guys like Brandon, who suffered a concussion, uh, have had a little bit more time uh, to get to get ready, so uh, that's a good break for the for the Raiders. They need Brandon Feiss on. Uh, Jonathan Hankins' shoulder is a, was a full participate last couple of days. Deshaun Jackson, as we mentioned, uh, has a little bit of a calf. Uh, he was limited yesterday. He did not participate today. We did talk to Deshaun. He doesn't feel like it's a big issue. Uh, he's hopeful that he's going to be able to play uh, on Sunday. Zay Jones' shoulder he was full yesterday, full today. Nick Kwiatkowski. Ankle, limited, limited these last couple of days. Looks like he's on target 
uh, to finally get back uh, on the field again. The Raiders need their backup linebacker, and he's also a good special teams player, uh, so that helps. Uh, Markel Lee, ankle, um, was a full participant the last two days. Carl Nassib with the knee. Did not participate the last two days. Not looking all that good for Carl Nassib um, to play on Sunday against the Washington football team. Could that mean uh, Malcolm Kuntz uh, getting some run on on Sunday? It probably will mean Clee Farrell getting uh, more playing time. We talked about him yesterday and uh, how he's been a special teams guy and was definitely a special teams guy on Thursday against the Cowboys. Without Carl... Um, being able to play, if he can't play, that definitely opens the door for more playing time for Cleve Farrell. Um, Keyshawn Nixon, ankle, uh, was limited the last two days. Um, Patrick uh, Anawasur, hamstring, did not practice the last two days. Uh, John Simpson, ribs, knee, full participant the last two days. Darren Waller, back injury and knee injury. Uh, No-go the last two days, not looking good right now anyway for Darren Waller to play on Sunday. But you never know. There's still a couple of days uh, to work with. And then Josh Jacobs uh, with an ankle. did not He was not listed yesterday, so uh, this ankle injury is something that's fairly new, obviously. He was limited today uh, in practice, uh, but uh, we'll see. He looked really good on, on Thursday against the Dallas Cowboys and afterwards said that he felt he came out of that, that game really clean, so uh, I'm not quite sure uh, where the ankle happened, uh, but um, right now limited. We'll see if he's ready to go on Sunday against the Washington football team. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. It's Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m., live from the Raiders practice facility here in Henderson on a Thursday.